Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. My name is Corporal Isaac Martinez, and I was part of a five man National Guard unit dispatched to the remote town of Elk Ridge, bordering Sequoia National Park. The call for evacuation came after the local sheriff's office was flooded with reports of a terrifying creature, a dolman. As night cloaked the town, the beast made its presence known, its guttural growls echoing through the night. It was unlike anything we had faced before, a monstrous hybrid of man and beast. The mission had turned from evacuation to survival. We fought, 
not just for ourselves, but for the terrified citizens we had sworn to protect. Amidst the chaos, we started piecing together a horrifying possibility. The dogman. Could it be one of our own? One of our friends who had gone missing in these woods months ago. The reality hit us like a punch to the gut. We were not just fighting a creature. We were fighting a brother. A man who once stood by our side. Now a monstrous predator. The creature was relentless. One by one, my comrades fell. I can still hear their screams, their desperate pleas for mercy. But the beast showed none. It was just me, alone and cornered, waiting for my end. But the end didn't come. The dogman, it just spared me. I don't know why. I collapsed from exhaustion, the adrenaline finally wearing off. The next day I was found by park rangers, delirious and shaken. As they helped me to my feet, one of them recoiled. Your teeth, he stammered. I ran my tongue across my teeth, feeling the sharp points of new, abnormal fangs. The rangers and I shared a look of horrified understanding, but we knew this had to stay silent. What happened at Elk Ridge would be buried along with my fallen brothers. The world would never know the truth. I was left with a burden, a secret, and a horrifying reality. The dogman was gone, but maybe, just maybe, a part of him was now a part of me. I had an encounter two summers ago in the area called Kimball Bottoms, or as the locals call it, the desert. Anyway, I was down there at a drum circle they were having, and I don't know if it was the drumming that attracted this thing or what. I was facing the water and banks of the Missouri River, and it still being light outside, around 7 p.m. in the summer. I could see everything clearly. I thought I saw a heat signature on the opposite bank, like heat rising off a hot parking lot in the summer. This stood out to me as I'd been staring in that area. Anyway, zoning out as I went into an almost trance. Like state, due to the drumming, I started seeing this thing move. I stopped drumming and walked over to the edge of the bank. The more I watched, the more I realized that this heat signature looked like it had arms and legs and was like swaying to the drumming still going on behind me. My friend came up and asked what I was looking at, and as I pointed it out to her other people from the circle, started to notice that we were pointing and staring at something across the river. More people stopped drumming and joined us at the bank. Some could see what we were seeing and others couldn't. Eventually, nobody was drumming anymore, and this glimmer man had stopped swaying and was watching us watching. More than one person had mentioned that it looked like the invisible, yet visible, alien from the movie Predator. It was after maybe three minutes of watching this invisible being. And yes, many people tried taking pictures and video of it, only to not see anything when reviewing the images on their phones. Not surprising when you are trying to photograph a nearly invisible heat signature looking thing. At one point we could see this thing move back into the tall reeds and were surprised as the reeds parted. Those who didn't see the being couldn't help but see the reed part as it moved away. A few of us sat there for a good hour waiting to see if this invisible being came back but we didn't see anything. 
However many people freaked themselves out by talking about where this entity could be, was it lurking in the water, walking along the shore, hiding in the trees, etc.? I have to agree they all had viable points. It was a very surreal encounter and only deepened my beliefs on things existing in the folds of what we call reality. I was eight years old, living with my parents outside of Memphis, Tennessee in the late 1950s. On this day, it was a warm summer evening. My parents were next door, talking to the neighbors. All the kids were running around and playing. The neighbors had a station wagon parked in their driveway, and the tailgate was down. I wasn't watching what I was doing, and while running, I tripped and went face, first into the tailgate. I split my lip all the way down from my nose through my lip. My upper lip was laid open, so I had to go to the hospital. I was terrified of needles and fighting the nurses as they tried to give me a local anesthetic before stitching me up. I was a strong little kid, so three nurses pinned me down, and I remember one nurse saying we're going to play cowboys and Indians. We're going to tie you up. They strapped me down from head to toe. They gave me the shot in my lip, sewed me up, and I went home. After that, I began experiencing night terrors. I attributed that event of getting strapped down and my lips sewed up as the nexus of the night terrors. The nightmare was always consistent. I am at my grandparents' house with all my cousins, like we always did, sleeping on a pallet on their living room floor on the old rug she had there. She'd lay a blanket down and put pillows out. I would lay there with a huge rock on my chest and I can't move any part of my body. I can see up to the top of the rock and over the rock pops a figure. The face is of a character in a TV series that was popular in the late 50s called Kukla, Fran, and Ollie. It is a creepy little character, a weird puppet with a snuggle tooth. The face is looking over the rock and he's laughing at me. He's also talking to me, but I can't hear him. I know he's talking because his mouth is moving. Then I see a hand come over the top of the rock, then an arm, and then a shoulder. A figure pops its head up, and it's a figure with bony hands. This thing had a teardrop-shaped head, and it had big black almond-shaped eyes, just like the pictures you see of an alien gray. This was before anyone had ever described alien encounters or abductions. I see this thing look over the top of the rock, and it starts to come toward me. At that point, the dream stops, and I would wake up in a panic. The night terrors started to wane when I matured and became an adult. I got married, started raising a family, and I didn't have that dream for almost fifty-something years. That was until this past year. One night, my wife had gone out of town. I was here at home with the dogs just working and relaxing. I'll read a book for a while, then I'll watch a TV show and go to bed. Well, that's what I did. That night, I had the same old nightmare return. I haven't had it for all those years. I wake up, but not in a night terror state. It's totally dark, no outside light coming through the windows. I started to think that I'm still asleep and dreaming. Then I see a figure standing in the doorway of my bedroom, and I see its arm up against the wall. I look at this thing, and I'm again wondering if I'm awake or if I'm dreaming. 
The next thing I remember, I'm walking through my house with a firearm and I'm checking the house. The dogs are not alarmed at all and are asleep in their beds. I walk back to my bedroom, put the pistol away, and get back in the bed and I fall asleep. It was probably the best night of sleep that I ever had. The nightmare I had experienced that night was exactly the same as I had those many years ago. Why I just had one more nightmare is a mystery, because I have had no more since then. One quick note, a few days after this experience, I was in my office working. I had the TV on. Then I heard someone mention Fran Allison, who was the woman from the Kuklaw, Fran, and Ollie show. I looked up and there was the face of the ugly Ollie character from my nightmares. I didn't panic, but I quickly turned the TV off. My name is Sergeant Avery Thompson, and I led a small team of National Guard soldiers assigned to Grand Canyon National Park. Our mission was to protect park visitors from a mysterious entity wreaking havoc in the area. As we investigated, we learned of the local legend, the crawler, a grotesque creature said to haunt the park's woods. While some of us were skeptics, Others couldn't shake the fear that something sinister lurked in the shadows. Isolated in the vast wilderness, we found ourselves in a constant state of unease. Our radios crackled with static, and the thick fog that rolled in each night seemed to choke our very senses. The fear was palpable, but we had a job to do. The tension reached its peak when we finally encountered the creature. Its twisted, elongated limbs and pale, hairless body were the stuff of nightmares. We engaged the monstrosity, our training pushing us through our terror. The battle was fierce, but in the end we managed to neutralize the abomination. We carefully transported the corpse to a government bio-facility, hoping that our ordeal was finally over. However, we soon realized that the truth would remain hidden. A group of stern government officials, likely Secret Service agents, ordered us to keep the incident a secret, warning us of severe consequences if we dared to speak out. The fear of the unknown was replaced by a different fear, the fear of what we had seen, and the knowledge that we could never share it. We left the park, our minds burdened with the truth about the crawler and the secret that we were forced to carry for the rest of our lives. I lived in Iowa when I was in college. At nights after I got off work, I would take my dog, Boxer, out for a run in a local trail. It was approximately 5,000 of paved running trails going through a wooded area, and it was usually pitch black. One night, my dog, who was as calm as could be, was riles up, and he kept growling and trying to go into the woods from the beginning of the run until the end. Throughout the run, a loud growling noise would follow me. I ignored it at first, as there were no known natural predators in Iowa at that time. However, I'm pretty sure that was the fastest 5K I ever ran. In the next few months, I heard of some mountain lion sightings in the area. Once in a while, we would hear about them, but they were so rare, it could have been someone mistaking a dog for a mountain lion. 
Now I see pictures of mountain lions from people back home on Facebook. I'm pretty sure a mountain lion was stalking me throughout my run, and it probably would have taken me down if it wasn't for my dog. I still remember the growling following me. It's like it was actually right next to me the entire time. Lived out on 80 acres of land in southern Colorado for a good part of my teenagehood. Parents owned the land, however, didn't do much with it as it was pretty much a desert. Flat dirt, as far as you can see, with the occasional big bush, standing only about four or five feet off the ground at the highest. Totally barren. At one end of the land was a giant cliff about 80 feet tall that led down to a creek. That was the only interesting part about the land, so I would often go down there with my little brother and throw rocks, play in the water, shit like that. Well, one day him and I are fooling around by the creek when we notice it started getting dark. We kind of freaked out because the only way back to my parents' house was either up the cliff, a very steep and pretty dangerous climb for the daytime, let alone the night or to walk all the way around the property line to the road and follow it up. About an hour and a half walk with a ten-year-old. We choose option B as the sun is setting and make our way around toward the road. By the time we get to our property gate at the beginning of my parents' driveway, a mile-long dirt road, it is already pitch black out. All we had was the little light the moon gave us, I'm not really afraid of the dark, and I have never been one to believe in all those ghost stories or anything like that, and my brother was too invested in the Milky Way and telling me facts about different stars that I really wasn't thinking anything was going to happen. Well, we get to the top of the road where we can see our parents' house, and out of nowhere, the loudest ear-piercing scream comes from somewhere right behind us. It was so loud and shrill that me and my brother dropped to the ground and covered our ears. I spun around but didn't see anything, and the air felt different, almost as if something was watching us. I frantically stood up and did a 360 turn, but all I saw was dirt and small shrubs. I grabbed my brother by the hood of his jacket and pulled him forward as I began bolting to our shed, all while feeling like something was behind us that entire time. My brother was crying and hid in the far corner of the shed as I tried to logically convince myself that it was a coyote or maybe one of the neighbor's cows. After about 30 seconds, I decided to open the shed door and peek out. And right on the horizon of where me and him were just standing on top of the driveway was this tall creature. I couldn't see much of anything except for a silhouette because of how dark it was, but it had to have been standing at least eight feet tall and had a very long arms that seemed to touch the ground despite it appearing to be in an upward position. I couldn't register much else because it turned and bolted down back toward the beginning of the road. I slammed the shed door shut again and me and my brother ended up hiding out in there all night told my parents and they wrote it off as our imagination and a trick of the dark and nothing like that has ever happened before that or up until the time when I moved away. I have no idea what it was. Maybe I was just seeing something. Maybe me and my brother were just tired and misheard and 
animal noise, but what I do know is that it scared the ever-living shit out of me, and I was always home, way before dark since then. In northern Idaho, deep in the Rocky Mountains, there is a cabin that runs a cattle ranch. Chris's brother knows the owner and invited Chris to spend a weekend up there for some hunting and hiking. The brothers gathered their supplies and a few of their best pals and took off to the mountains. As they were driving up the winding Idaho roads, his brother issued a cryptic warning. Sometimes the cattle escape into the woods and need to be tracked down. The owner of the ranch has seen strange creatures in the forest. I'm not messing around. Everyone laughed and didn't take the warning seriously. Within the hour, they arrived at the cabin. On the second day in the mountains, Chris decided to go on an afternoon hunt with one of his friends. They drove down a back, rode into the forest until the road ended a few miles from the cabin. They got out and walked to the nearby creek then split off with one person going upstream and one person going downstream. After walking for a ways, Chris came to a salty deposit where he noticed a foul odor in a broken pine tree that was green and healthy. The trunk was snapped in the direction of the water. There were four finger indentations in the tree bark like it had been squeezed and pulled down by a massive hand. Sat bubbled from the compressed bark. On the ground, he discovered numerous huge footprints with five toes stamped into the silk. He followed them and counted 73 beautiful tracks that lead to a... Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Another snapped green pine tree. This tree also had big finger marks on it and was facing in the direction of the water. Tracks danced all around this tree. The smell was now overwhelming. Chris became so spooked that he immediately ran back to the truck. His friend had shot a deer, and they quickly drove back to the cabin with it. At the cabin, Chris explained the situation to everyone. That night, half a dozen men from the cabin armed themselves, each with a rifle and a pistol, and returned by truck to the end of the dirt road. They parked the truck facing the creek and then walked on foot to the edge of the water. It was a moonless, starry night but the horrible smell still lingered. The band of hunters waited and at one point howled into the night, calling for the creature. Chris thought he could hear something moving in the forest, but the creek was too loud to be sure. He decided to walk alone upstream and into the woods to get a clearer sound. He could hear that there was definitely something big making its way through the pine. He ran back to the hunters and warned them that something was approaching. Moments later, from both up and downstream, they began to hear branches snapping and footsteps thudding. The sounds came from both directions, closing in on the group. The footsteps grew louder and louder until the booming crunch of a log under the surface. Of the mud spooked them so much that they all ran back to the truck. 
In less than two minutes, they made it back to the vehicle. The moment they fired up the truck and turned on the headlights, they could see two massive bipedal hairy creatures moving up the creek in the location they had just retreated from. The creatures' eyes shined from the truck's headlights. All of the men had clear shots, but all took flight back to the cabin in terror. The stench greeted them upon their return. They feared that with the slain deer outside, the creatures would be drawn to the property. They all slept curled up with their guns that night, but no more signs of the creatures would be found. I told you, little brother, I was not messing around. He figures he ran into a family of them. There was a wild look in his eyes as he turned to me and said, I know they exist. I was camping by myself at Pansy Lake, just south of the Clackamas Marion County line in, and had an encounter. My tent was pitched on an old access road that had grown over, but would be an easy route for wildlife. Also nearby is an abandoned copper mine cave. I noticed that creature sounds were not normal as I went to sleep. I woke up about 1 a.m. and could sense that something was nearby. I made no noise and listened intently. After a few minutes, I heard a significant branch break. I knew a sizable creature made that noise. I'm blind without my glasses, but found my mag light and panned it back and forth in the direction of the noise. After 10 or 20 seconds of this, I heard chest beating like a mountain grouse, but knew better. I kept up the panning because I did not want to show weakness. Then. I got deep lung, ape-like sounds which I cannot describe or attribute to any animal I know of. It was obviously not happy with the light. I kept up the panning and finally the thing took off down a small canyon on the downhill side of the road and up the other side, making lots of noise going through the brush. When it got to the other side, I panned over there too and got the ape-like sounds again. I stayed up the rest of the night, and nothing else happened. I had gone on many hikes and was never scared like this. That was my last hike. A side note is, vehicles were being habitually vandalized at the trailhead at about this time. Could be humans, or possibly the creature. Also, the creature was going in the direction of the abandoned copper cave. I've worked as a paramedic or firefighter for 10 plus years, and I always laugh when people tell me I'm crazy for hunting in the middle of nowhere, be afraid of animals, etc. I always laugh and tell them the crap I've seen people do always worries me more than the mostly predictable behavior of animals. I have two stories, one hunting, one none. I'll tell the hunting as it's the thread. I live in upstate New York, and we frequently get lied to about what kind of animals are here. The local DAC has a long history of introducing predators and denying their existence until it's blatantly obvious. So this year, my dad and I are bow hunting. We meet up and are walking out just before dark. Just wanted to do an afternoon stalk hunt together like when I was a kid. I was lead in coming over a knoll that I've shot a lot of nice deer out of, including a good buck last year. Suddenly my dad, who is steps behind me, is hissing coyote. I turn and look, and I can't see anything. 
He then tells me you're looking right at it. In my mind, I'm looking for a coyote like I've seen my whole life. Scraggly, narrow face with brownish-white colors. The first thing I saw was the eyes. Wild yellow eyes connected to a black face with a huge head and almost silver mane. I grew up with German shepherds, and this dog was easily 9,100-plus pounds. Not 30, 40 pounds like most of the coyotes I've encountered, but was most certainly not a house pet. We also were miles from anyone's house and on private land. I've never had an animal look at me like that before. It was not afraid and definitely was sizing me up. More predatory than I've ever had a black bear look at me. So as I was changing arrows, was not about to send a $35 iron will at it. My bow release hit my bow limb in the loud metallic clang and sent the dog running. We both stood for a moment, not saying anything, and my dad goes, you're gonna think I'm crazy, but I think that was. A wolf. I finished his sentence before he could. My dad said that he was watching a pine lot just to our left and saw the dog coming running out at us, stopping about 40 yards away. I never even heard the thing. It was as though it was hunting us, not just a random encounter where we crossed paths. I told a few co-workers about it, and they all said I was crazy. Then a few weeks later, my buddy sent me this picture of a guy he knows that hunts about 20 minutes from I was. D.E.C. told him it was a coy dog. I'm not so sure about that. You guys have more experience with wolves than I do, but to me, that looks like what I saw, and that is a wolf in my book. Me and a bunch of friends went camping back in June of 2000, up past Fall Creek, Oregon. It was dusk when I saw it, and what happened was, I was standing there. It's been so long, I really don't remember what I was doing at the time. But I do know for sure I felt like someone was staring at me, and I also got this weird burning feeling of like adrenaline in my mind. Even though my tent was like four or five feet from the camp, I looked out toward the campfire. I could see everybody we were camping with right there. But I looked to the direction of where I got that feeling. I don't know how I just knew to look that way, but I did, and I seen it standing about eight or nine feet away. I felt this petrified feeling, and in the three seconds, which seemed so long, I thought run. But at the same time, I thought keep looking to make sure what you're looking at is real. Oh, it was real, I swear by it. I just went into the tent, and I didn't say anything to anybody we were camping with. I felt a crowd of about 11 people might have made fun of me or something. But later on that night, when my boyfriend C.W. came to bed, I told him, and of course he didn't believe me. My best friend was going out with C.W. brother, and at about four o'clock in the morning, when everybody was just starting to go to bed, my best friend and my boyfriend's brother got in a fight that woke almost everybody up. Tabby, my B.F., went running away from the camp, and I got up, and so did my boyfriend to talk to his brother. I went to find Tabby, and about five minutes or so, we all heard the loudest scream. Of course it was my friend that screamed. But as everybody went toward the area of where we all heard the scream, she was running toward us with a most petrified look, saying, 
Oh, my God. We were like, what? She said when she was down by the creek after her and S.E.W. where arguing she felt weird and she wanted to come back so as she was climbing up the embankment. By the river, it was right there at the top, just hunched over looking at her. After she told that to everybody, I knew I believed her cause of what I saw everybody else. Well, a couple people didn't believe her, but I know for a fact what I saw, and I didn't even tell her until after it happened. And she came up and said what she seen, in case anyone is wondering what it is. It is Sasquatch. I never, ever thought I would be saying that I guess I had to see it for myself. But the Sasquatch I seen wasn't like Harry and the Hendersons. It had hair like an orangutan, but a little bit thicker and wasn't as big. It seemed like it was about six feet. I get a feeling it was a female for some reason. I could be wrong. All I know what I seen was real. Its eyes, from what I could tell, looked dark. I never had a feeling that it was going to hurt me. I think I was just scared because I never seen anything like it. A while after that, my friend Tabby told her dad, and he was like, Oh, yeah, that's the wild man of Windberry Creek. He said it like it was nothing. I know Tabby's mom used to bartend at Fall Creek Tavern, and they were around a lot of things said. Loggers would come in and our friends and talk about things. And apparently we weren't the first ones to have seen it in that area. Her mom bartended there about 25 years ago, and it was being seen then, too. Except we know it's not a wild man, it's a Sasquatch that's just what they called it back then. So yeah, it's been being seen in that area from different people for 25 years. The first odd occurrence in this area was in the 90s. I had killed a nice 5 by 5 of archery bull elk and had gone back up to retrieve a tree stand the next day with my sister. As we got near the remains, hide, gut pile, and mostly intact skeleton, hip bone, spine, ribs, neck bones, the tree limbs just beyond the remains, swayed like something big had just gone through them. Didn't notice any signs of animals. The next day I returned to look around that same area for bear sign on the remains. All the remains were gone. No sign of any drag marks like a bear or cougar had taken them. Why would a person or persons take a rotting hide, gut pile, and skeleton with no salvageable meat? A couple years later, my friend and I were hiking down after archery hunting that same spot I got that five by five earlier. It was just a few minutes before we had to use our flashlights to see. Off to our west, we heard something coming towards us in the trees. Heavy steps, limbs popping, and tree branches moving. We both stopped and readied our bows. When the thing came within about 15 feet of the creek bed we were walking in, it stopped. The trees were very thick in this area, and it was getting dark fast. My friend and I looked at each other kind of with a spooked feeling passing between us, and then the thing turned around and left the way it came. No sound at all other than steps and the tree limb sounds. We agreed the thing that was making the limbs move had to be seven, eight foot tall to move the limbs like it did. In August of 2000, I was archery hunting on a windy, cold day. 
I heard something approaching up the ridge. It sounded like a person walking very heavily. It was not an elk or deer. A few minutes later, there was a very loud roaring sound from roughly 200 yards away. I thought it was someone mad that I was hunting there, but the volume was just too loud for a human. About two minutes later, there was a second roar, and it had moved about twice the distance away from me. That roar was followed by an elk bugling 100 yards away. I didn't look for any sign, as the roars actually spooked me some, and I didn't want to find anything that could produce that kind of a sound with that volume. In early 2001, I had hiked up the southeast side of the mountain, following a small creek up, exploring a side of the mountain I had never been on. I got up to the upper levels of the tree line and started around to the east side to hike the big ridge running off the east side of the mountain. There was still some snow around the clearings and in the trees. In one of the clearings, I noticed a strange large impression near the middle. This clearing was maybe 80 feet across with bare dirt except for snow around all the edges under the trees, steep sloping ground. I stood beside the impression and just stared at it. The print was going in the same direction as I was. The uphill side was very visible and the downhill side was gone. It was very easy to distinguish the toes and the heel and the outline of the print on the uphill side. It was a right footprint in the bigger toe and the four smaller toes were there. Smallest toe was barely seen as downhill side left no impression of outside of foot. You could see the curve around the heel, but not quit all of the curve. Step on a steep slope sometime and see how much of your print is visible while keeping the bottom of your foot flat, as if walking on level ground. The track was 16-18 inches long and about 7-8 inches wide. I dismissed it as a freak natural occurrence as there was only the one. When I started off the mountain late in the day, I realized that the weathering the track had shown plus with the warmer weather and the snow melt, it might have been possible for the snow to have been gone in the middle of the clearing and for the snow to melt faster outwards from the clearing as it would get more sunlight than the edges. I had looked around for signs of other people having gone up there before me, but saw none. Not even on the trails at the base of the mountain did I see any sign other than my own. In June or July of 2001, my ex-wife and I were setting up our camp for the evening. It was dark as we had got a late start after work. We were putting up our tent with only one lantern burning when we both, at the exact same time, looked up at each other and asked if the other had farted. We both had smelled a really strong odor. Made me think of a bear scent, but it had an odd sweaty smell. Never had smelled a bear with that type of odor. I grabbed my flashlight, which I discovered had a nearly dead battery, and walked into the direction of the wind. I could still smell the strong odor, so about 30 yards from my truck, I started looking as best as I could for any eye shine. I swung the flashlight beam, aiming it more towards the ground, level expecting to see some eyes at a lower than hip level. I instead saw a pair of yellowish eyes higher up than expected. I raised the flashlight and I saw a dark form like a shadow standing there 30-40 feet away. The ground in that direction starts to slope down to a dry creek bed. 
I am six feet four, and with the slight slope, the shadow was taller than me. When the light hit the shadow, I saw the eyes either squint or in some way react to the light being shined directly on it. After four or five seconds, it turned and disappeared. I could see an outline, like a shadow, of very wide shoulders and arms that hung down like a person's. If this had been a person, the eyes would toad in a yellowish color, nor would they have reacted to the light. This shadow, as it turned, was perfectly silent and just disappeared into the woods. The shadow appeared to be seven, eight feet tall, considering the slight downhill flow of the terrain and that I had to look up slightly at the eyes. I listened for a few hours at night after going to bed and heard nothing odd. 